Welcome to the Underground Podcast, a weekly teaching from the 20 service at Second Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. Stay tuned for ways to connect with our ministry following the message. There was a guy, this, uh, I heard about it this week. It's happened a few weeks ago, but his name was Andrew, and he was a pastor at Inland Hills Baptist Church. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Um, and uh, a few weeks ago, he started a series, and he preached for three weeks on depression, anxiety, and um, after those three weeks were up, what his church and his wife didn't know was that was actually the last sermon he would ever preach. And the reason that's the case is because he ended up taking his own life rooted in depression. His wife wrote a nice, sweet, but very sad uh, online blog, or I think you can go read that later, but it made me think about and it reminded me where we were already headed, and I think the Lord used that story to just confirm it. But the reality is there is a huge issue in our country with mental health. It is a huge issue. And um, for, for a, a pastor of a mega church, by the way, to stand up for three weeks and to preach on depression. And the translation I would say to you is for three weeks to beg his family and his congregation to try to get their attention to see if he can get some help in some way, shape, or form. I believe that's what he was trying to do. It just said somehow, you have to believe he was just begging for something. Maybe he was begging God. I don't know. But when I think that, I'm reminded of how big of an issue it is of mental health in our country. And so we actually were already moving in this direction. And I heard that story, and it just confirmed it for me. And so next week, we'll have a worship night. And the following week, we're going to start a brand new series on mental health. Uh, and the title of it is going to be, I'm Not all right. That's the title of our series. And so we're going to dig in for just a few weeks on some of the major issues in mental health and, and try to get a biblical perspective, but at the same time, try to help guide us in this room. And then through guiding us, hopefully we can help to guide some others that we're connected to. And so I want to encourage a few things as we have a few weeks to get ready for this. Uh, number one, I want to invite you to pray for me as we deal with some topics that are very serious. Pray that the Lord would really use me in that time in a mighty way. That would be very helpful. Also, I want to encourage you that if you have friends, people in your family, people that you know of that you may not be sure, but you think there might be something there, I want to encourage you to invite them to join us during this series. And prayerfully, God might be able to use our time together to give them some hope, maybe some encouragement, maybe even to help snap them out of that struggle that they're in. And then finally, I just want to say, if you can't get those folks here, you know, we record our messages, audio, video, all that. I want to encourage you, and I don't ever say this really from this stage often, but I want to encourage you to take those messages and to pass those on to people that you think might benefit from that because that's how big of a deal it is that what we're experiencing on our country and the truth is I learned from that story with that pastor there's a really good chance a lot of that stuff's happening right here in this very room tonight and so I want to do my part as a pastor I may not be your pastor just yet if you're new but as your pastor here I want to help guide you the best I can lead you in the right direction help to encourage and to motivate you and to help you to develop your walk with the Lord and we want to cover these issues as well and so that's what we're going to do in a couple weeks to start that series on mental health so I just want to let you know where we're going I think it's helpful to know that and I hope you guys are excited about that opportunity obviously it'll be different types of messages, but I think it's going to be very, very helpful. Um, Also, though, from that story, it reminded me of where we're going tonight, and that is that he stood up and preached that last sermon, 
was the very last sermon he ever preached. And what we're going to look at tonight is Joshua's final words to his people for the very last time, essentially his last sermon before he wraps up his time as the leader of the people of Israel and will eventually pass away not long after this moment. So that's what we're going to look at. So if you have your Bibles, you want to turn to Joshua chapter 24. That's where we're going to get started. And I think we got a good one tonight. I want to warn you at the beginning, I'm going to kind of glaze through quickly um, the early parts of this chapter, I want to just quickly show you what's happening, and I want to zero in on the last parts. That's going to be the key part of what I want to look at tonight. Now, to just get you caught up quickly, um, everything has happened. They've finally crossed the Jordan, which we've all experienced that together. They've made it into the promised land. They've conquered all of the cities. God has now provided all of the promised land that he was ready to provide at this moment. They've now taken the land. They've divided it up. They are finally living in that promised land paradise that God had promised them. And so Joshua is going to rally the troops for his final address. So let's jump in. Chapter 24, verse 1 starts like this. Gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. We'll come back to Shechem in just a minute. And summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And then Joshua said to all the people. Okay, so let's pause. First, understand they're presenting themselves to God, not Joshua. But what they're presenting themselves to is to hear God through Joshua. Okay, remember, that's what we're doing here, right? You shouldn't really be here to hear me. You should be here to hear God. I just happen to be the person that gets to share his thoughts to you tonight, just like when you gather in other places. It's a very important principle when coming to church. You need to understand that. Uh, Don't get caught up in personalities. It's irrelevant, okay? Because as we can see, they go very quickly from our story that we just experienced. They also stumble very quickly. So don't get caught up in personalities. Remember, every time you gather, we're hearing from the Lord. This just happens to be the person sharing. And so Joshua stands up on behalf of his people, and God is going to speak through him to his people. But it also says there right at the beginning that they gathered at Shechem. And Shechem is really a powerful moment because that's the exact same spot that God told Abraham all about his kids getting to one day step into a promised land. And so this was a marker of what God had promised a long time ago and a reminder that God had been faithful, not just with the promised land, but all the way back to when he told Abraham about it in the very beginning. So a very, very powerful moment as they gather at a very special place. And what God is going to do is going to tell Joshua to tell his people about four significant things that have happened on this very long journey, okay? So let's look at all four of these quickly. This is where we're going to fly by. The first one is this. God chose Israel. God chose Israel. Finish verse two. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and Anora, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and I gave Esau the hill country and Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. So this is what he says. I chose these people. When Abraham started, he was an idolater. He was worshiping another God. And what God is saying is, I came and I grabbed Abraham and his family and I brought them to me and I started their journey, which is actually your journey, all the way back then. I chose him. And here's what you need to remember tonight. Here's what I need to remember tonight. That God, if you are a believer in him, God has chosen you. 
God's actually chosen all of us, but it's your choice to say, I do, or to accept. That's becoming a Christian, but that's another story for another day. But God has chosen you. God has handpicked you to do something. Remember, we always say, if you still have breath, you still have purpose. If you still have breath, you still have purpose. God has called you out to do something for his kingdom. You have a purpose and a call that's been placed on your life. And so just like he has chosen Israel, he has also chosen you and has set you apart. You know, I think about what if I had said no? What if when I had that opportunity years ago and someone came to me and said, listen, we see something in you, we believe in you, we want to give you an opportunity to serve our church. We want you to develop as a leader and let's just see what happens. I wasn't a pastor then, I wasn't on staff, I was just another guy like you guys sitting in a chair and someone called me out. You know what I realize now? It was the Lord using someone in my life to say, hey, there's something here. Are you willing to step in? And I always wonder, what if I'd said no? What if I'd said no? I'd have missed out on the incredible nine years that followed after that and the unbelievable work that God had done in my life. God chose Israel. Then God delivered Israel. Let me read verse five to you. And I sent Moses and Aaron and I plagued Egypt. And what I did in the midst of it and afterwards, I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt and you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptian and made the sea come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt and you lived in the wilderness a long time. You see what God's doing? He's recounting every moment that has taken place, all of the highlight moments. And so what's this one? God delivered Israel. God used Moses and Aaron to take them out of Egypt. We studied that back in Exodus, to take them out of Egypt. And then on their way out, you remember what happened? The people of Egypt and Pharaoh started to follow them. And so God took the Red Sea, he parted it, they walked through, and then he brought the sea down on his enemies. He delivered them from their enemies. And why was that so important? Well, among many things, there had been generation after generation trapped in Egypt until that moment took place. And it was all by God's ordained hand that was leading to the moment in which we stand in right now in this part of our story. And I think about this and I wonder, have you and I had someone that's helped to preserve us on this journey of life? Okay, not a, not a salvation thing here, just in life. I think about parents. I think parents serve as a, as a way of preser pre preserving us through life. How many of you, even, I know not all of us had perfect parenting situations, totally get that. But man, when you begin to think back on how your parents impacted your life and what they did for you and how they walked with you and the money they spent on you and the money they spent on you and the money they spent, that what they told me to say that to you, right? I mean, you think about all the things they did and how they walked with you and they carried you and they nurtured you when you were a little one and you couldn't do anything but roll around crying poop. They took care of you, right? Right? Sorry, that was too graphic. The reality is God did that for the people of Israel. And by doing it for the people of Israel, he was doing it ultimately for us. That salvation would find a way for us. So God delivered Israel. Then God protected Israel. Remember, I'm moving fast. We'll settle in at the end here. God protected Israel. In verse 8, then I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you and I gave them into your hand and you took possession of their land and I destroyed them before them. And then Balak, the son of Zippar, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel and he sent and invited Balaam and son of Bor to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam until I delivered you out of his hand. What did God do? God protected Israel 
We spent a lot of time looking at some of that as we studied Joshua. God was protecting them, protecting them, protecting even in impossible situations, impossible battles that we never thought could actually take place, that they could actually possibly win. But God was protecting them every step of the way. How many of you can think of a moment in your life or moments in your life that God protected you from something? And it's not always a physical violent moment. God protected you from a terrible decision. I think about... um, before I uh, kind of came on staff here, I had an opportunity to go to another church. And it sounded like a great opportunity. At that point, I'd been a volunteer. I'd been teaching. I had a hunger to do ministry. I was ready to take that next step. Didn't know where it was going to come from. And so I was ready for the first opportunity. I was going to go. And a church called and said, we've got that opportunity. We're ready for you. Are you ready? And I was like, absolutely. Where do I sign? I don't even know if I sign. Whatever I need to do, I am gone because this is what I want. And a good friend pulled me aside and said, you need to be careful. And you need to pray about this and you need to give us some time and you need to let it sink in and you need to make sure that this is what God has called you to do and that you're not just excited. And I took that time and as I prayed, you know what I found? As I prayed, the longer I prayed, the less it felt like a good idea. And the longer I prayed, the less it felt like the right move. And eventually I turned it down when it made absolutely no sense. It made absolutely no sense. I had no money. I was still in school. All I wanted to do was ministry, and I had a stupid sales job that I hated with my all my heart. I hated it. Nothing against salesmen, don't worry. But I'm just saying, for me, it wasn't my calling, and I wanted out of it so bad. But I knew it wasn't what I was supposed to do, and so I said no, and it didn't make sense. You know what happened, by the way? I did end up getting a job here just a few months later. But more importantly, that church that I would have gone to, it didn't make it. And they had to close down their doors, and all of those people there lost their job. Now, most of them would have been okay because they had degrees, they had experience. I would have been the young guy at 21, 22 that had no other experience, that hadn't finished his degree yet, and he would have been out in the cold trying to figure it out. God protected me. It wasn't a bad thing, right, going to another church, not a bad thing, but God navigates in our lives, and he uses moments like that to protect us. And so that's why we got to give him time to let him help us make those tough Decisions And then finally, God gave them their land. God spread it. It's verses 11 through 13. I'm not going to read it for this moment, but I just want to say that God had provided that land, that promised land that he told them that he would have. And now they've divided it and they're enjoying it. And so Joshua stands up and says, I want to remind you of these four moments that took place in our life and in our family history. And with that being said, we jump into verse 14. Now, therefore, because of all of that, Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your fathers served in the rain beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. He says, We've heard what God has done. What I tried to do as I did that with you was to show you what God had done in my life. When I stand before you today and I think about these moments through my life and how God had walked with me and carried me and helped me and guided me and protected me, I can stand before you and say, I have no problem following and serving God because when I look back on my history, he has taken care of me and guided me and provided for me and made a way for me to stand with you tonight. 
And so I look at this, and I have no problem saying, yes, I will follow him. And Joshua stands up and says, guys, listen, of all that he has done, the simplest response we can have is to serve him. Remember, we are not serving to become saved. We are saved to become servants. We don't work to get to salvation. We experience the what we call gift of salvation. And that is what drives you and I to live out the Christian life, to live out this service mindset for him. You and I have been called to serve the Lord. In fact, all throughout this chapter, you will see the word serve over and over and over again. It is ingrained into who we are as believers in Jesus Christ. We've been called to be faithful and to serve him. Now, how we serve and what that looks like, it's different across the board for all of us. But the simple truth is we are called to serve. And then look what he says, to put away the gods that your fathers served. There were tons of gods they experienced growing up, gods they experienced in the new lands, God they experienced in the promised land, and they were supposed to put all that aside and to stay focused on the one true God. What's you and I struggle? There's tons of fake gods out there, right? Now, of course, you know them, gods of money, God of all these different things, God of relationships. What it is is anything that's not God that we put in its place, that's the problem. And so in our culture today, in your life today, in my life today, we're constantly battling. We're constantly battling, trying to stay faithful to God, trying to serve God. I hope that's your heartbeat. And why are we doing it? See, what happens is every day as we do it, we do it, we get frustrated. And we wonder, why, why do I bother? It's so difficult trying to be faithful to God and to honor him and to serve him and to fulfill his word and to love people because they're unlovable. Not you guys, those guys. They're, I mean, it's so difficult. Why do I bother trying to do all this when I could just do what I want over here like all the world does? And that's the battle, to constantly be reminding ourselves why we do what we do. God's not hanging over us with a hammer saying, you will, you will, you will. But he says, no, no, no. Because I made a way for you, I hope that you'll honor me. When I was growing up, scared of my parents, but I wasn't scared of them beating on no, my mom did spam me, I'll just be honest. But I wasn't scared of them beating me. What I was scared of is I didn't want to dishonor them. I didn't want to disappoint them. I love them. So I wasn't scared of discipline. I wanted them to look at me and to be proud. That was what drove me. And with the Lord, it's in a similar standpoint. I want the Lord to be proud. I want him to be honored by me. I want him to say, I sent my son Jesus to die on the cross, and you are fulfilling that sacrifice well. That's the kind of honor. And so that's what we're striving for when we talk about serve the Lord, follow the Lord, put away other gods. When I think about, well, how many of you want to get married one day? Do you raise your hand? Be honest, like, loosen up a little bit. It's okay. All right, now keep your hand up. Now look left and right. Okay, it's a good, I'm just kidding. Um, the, tr the truth is, a day's going to come, some sooner than later, all good. All right, and you're going to stand at the altar, and you're going to look across, and you're going to exchange vows. Listen, you're not going to say, I give you Everything I am, 
you are mine, I am yours, I do, till death do us part. That was all out of order, don't worry about it. I'll follow you through sickness and health. I usually have notes when I do this part. I'll follow you wherever you go, if you're rich or poor, preferably rich, all these things. And you're standing here. But what you're not going to say is I give myself only to you until others come along. Because if you did, I don't think you'd be alive to walk out of the church or the venue or wherever it is you decide to go get married. Because the truth is, what is a wedding? A wedding is two people saying only you. You and only you. And so what God says is, listen, when you stepped into relationship with me, I hope you love me enough to have that same kind of mindset. That it is me and only me in your life. So why are we talking about this? Because this should be natural, right? This should be easy. Well, here's the truth. And I actually have a point for this if you want to jot this down. Following God is a daily decision, not a, not a natural feeling. It's a daily decision, not a natural feeling. Listen, there will be some days when you and I wake up and we say, I am ready. This is going to be a great day. I hope God is honored. I'm playing my worship music. I'm doing, I, I was going to have worship music as one of the options, and I figured all of you would probably go there just because no one wanted to be the guy that went to rap music over worship. I'm just saying. All right, but there's some days we wake up, and, man, we're ready to go. Come on, Lord, bring the day. I am yours. And there's other days you wake up, and as soon as you got out of bed, you stubbed your toe, and that was it. The day's over. It's done. Lord, don't talk to me right now. This isn't your day. Today is not going to be a good day. It's going to be a terrible day. And then you open your phone, and you got all these phone calls. You should open your Bible first. That's your problem. I'm just saying. And you got all this stuff and all this nonsense, and you haven't even gotten out of bed yet. And the truth is, following God on a daily basis, it is going to be a daily decision, not a feeling. But the feeling that comes from the decision is amazing. I wasn't planning to say that. I hope that made sense. The other thing I want to show you is that as we followed this story, and believe it or not, we've actually followed most of this as we've gone through Genesis and we've gone through Exodus and now gone through Joshua over the years. All right, we didn't do all that together. But over the years, you know what we've seen? Every generation had to make a new covenant. Let this sink in for a minute. Every generation had to make a new covenant. Every generation that started to follow the Lord had to make their own decision. I know you know this, but I just want to remind you, did you know that you and I don't get to ride the curtails, the coattails, the faith tales of our grandparents and our parents? Did you know that you have to make your own decision or covenant with God? Did you know that if you grew up in the church, it doesn't really mean anything unless you've started a true relationship with the Lord in your heart? Uh, my kids, I have a, a three-year-old now and a nine-month-old. Man, I'm, I'm bringing them to church almost every week. Right? Sometimes it's hard on my wife. I'm being honest. I'm always here, but something. But the reality is we're trying to raise them in church. We're trying to pray with them. We're trying to teach them the Bible. It's a, he's nine months old. Okay, relax. But I'm trying to do what I can, and I'm doing everything. But the truth is, all that is doing is planting seeds, but none of it will be fruit unless him and her, my daughter and my son, make their own decision when the time comes. you get that? 
And I think for most of us in this room, we probably do. But just in case, just in case there's someone here tonight that thinks, man, I grew up in the church, so I'm I'm probably okay. I'm here tonight, right? I mean, Thursday night, I could be doing a ton of other things, but I'm here with you listening to this bozo talk about the Bible. I mean, surely I've got to be good, right? And the truth is, unless you've made a decision in your heart, on your own, with God, like these people, every new generation that started your own covenant, your own commitment to God, you need to understand that there will be something missing in your life. You need to get that. And maybe tonight you might need to fix that. That's something to think about. But every generation had to make a decision. Now look at this, the last part. I lied, two parts. But look at the second to last part. It says, verse 15, the second part. But as for me and my house, we will Serve the Lord. How many of you have heard that before, right? Seen it on a coffee mug. Maybe it's at your house, right? Mama got it printed everywhere. She put it in front of your bedroom. That's what she should have done, all right? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. How many of you heard it like that? Yeah, that's right. This is my house. This is what we're going to do, and you're going to do it, or you're going to live out there. I don't know if they were that direct, but that's what they should have said. Now, listen to this. What Joshua says is, I want you to notice this. He uses a very strong word. He says, but... But it's very contrasty. He's talking about all these things. He's saying, don't forget, we're going to serve the Lord. We need to make that decision to choose him. It's a daily decision. And then he says, but. What does the but mean? It means, I don't care what any of you jokers do. For me, I'm going to follow him. Because this is enough for me. Now, this is important because what this is implying is that it's very possible that not everyone's going to do it. And as the leader, he says, I, I want you to know that I love you enough to share with you the truth. But at the end of the day, I don't care what you do. This is what I'm going to do. But then you notice, he says, but. But then he says, for me and my house. Look at this. What he's saying is it doesn't matter. This isn't a decision based on man. It's a decision based on God. My decision is to follow the Lord. I don't care if my friends think the same thing. I don't care if my family thinks the same thing. I know a lot of us in this room have that story. I don't care what anybody else thinks. My decision is I'm going to follow the Lord. Is that how you think? Do you trust God enough to be the only one following him? I pray that's not your story, but we know as believers in this culture, that's all of our story. So, many, so much of our culture doesn't follow God. So much of our culture despises God and who he is and what he says. And we've got to be the ones to stand for truth. So he says, but no matter what, I choose to follow him. You know, I'll tell you a story. When I was a wee younger, a few years ago, um, before my wife, I dated a girl that was not a believer. And I had made all the turns in my life, and really the, the last thing that needed to go was this particular relationship that I was in. And what I noticed was that all of a sudden, as I started to follow the Lord, she started to follow the Lord. Right? Started going to church with me, started reading her Bible, started doing Bible studies and all these things, and all that was great. But then, you know what happened? That relationship was headed still on a bad path, and so I had to make the right call, and I made the decision to break it off. And you know what happened the moment I broke it off? Best I can tell, she never stepped foot in the church again, never opened her Bible again. The best I can tell from what I've seen. Do you know why? Because her faith wasn't rooted in God, it was rooted in man. It was because of me. 
She wanted to make sure, and I, and I, and I, I believe this. I believe that there was a part of her emotion that was real. I believe she wanted it. I believe she did want to know God. I believe she did want to have a relationship with him, but it was rooted in me. And the moment that we broke up, guess what happened? That relationship with her and God was completely gone. And what I'm saying to you is two things. Number one, this is why we don't date non-believers. Okay? In case you don't understand that wording, this is why we don't date someone that doesn't truly love God. We're not talking about church. We're talking about truly loves and serves and follows God. Because it won't be real and the root won't be strong enough to last. And so you may go, but listen, listen, listen. Everything's good now. Like, it's, seriously, it's good and you're going to get married. Okay, and I'm not speaking this. I'm just saying this could happen. You're going to get married and a few years later, you know what's going to happen? Everything's going to go crazy because that's just life. It's part of being, a, being an adult. You, you just grow up and life gets hard. And you know what's going to happen? If those roots aren't strong, they'll be gone. And you're going to look around and you're going to go, what happened to you? I liked you because you, you went to church. And you'll realize the roots weren't really that strong. I, I thought this was real. I mean, I started going, you started going. The roots weren't strong. And because the roots weren't strong, they broke. Now, I pray that happens before you get married so you don't experience that when you're married. But here's the reality. That's why we're very careful with who we step into relationship with. You knew that, but maybe that's some wording that might help you get a different perspective. It is vital, guys. So we've got to be so careful, and we want those roots to be strong. So he says what? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now Joshua also knew me and my house, he was the leader. As the husband, where are all my men at? Got three of them. That's fantastic. I'm really, <laughs> real proud of you guys. The ladies were like, I don't care if he has his hand raised. I'm done with that. All right, listen. I want all my guys to stand up real quick. We're, we're doing all right on time. All right. Ladies, don't, don't be, don't, just calm down, all right. It's a good group of men right here. A little heavy on the right side. A lot more over here. I don't know what that means. This, usually the right side is where the smart people sit. Um, actually, I guess that's the right side. That would be my, yeah, sorry. <laughs> now, let, now, now, gentlemen, here's all I want to say to you, okay? You know why Joshua is using strong terminology here? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know why? Someone tell me. Why? He's the head. He's the leader. What does that mean? He's responsible. He's responsible. And here's the truth, guys. I'm not trying to be mean, I'm just going to be honest. Some of you, you can't even take care of yourself right now. So you need to dump that girl tonight until you can figure your stuff out. That's the truth. And that was the hard part. Now here comes the love. I want you to understand, because I love you, and I want your families to be successful, you need to understand that you are going to be the leader of your house. That's the expectation that God has, even if your wife doesn't agree with you being the leader. God's expectation is that you are the leader of your house. And when you die, or when Jesus comes back, whichever comes first, you will stand before God, and he will look at you, and he will, give, he will ask you or give you to you an account of your life and as a part of that account will be your family if you are married at that time. It will be how you led your wife. It'll be how you led your kids. 
Because biblically speaking, all throughout scripture, we see about marriage that the man is to lead and to protect his family. So there's no reason why God wouldn't hold you accountable for that when you stand in front of him. And I want for you, I want the words, well done, thy good and faithful servant, to come streaming out of his mouth. But I'm telling you, if you don't learn how to be a man and to lead your family, those words are going to struggle to make its way out to your ears. That's a responsibility. It's an obligation. And it's God's command to you. So Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you as an individual are not serving the Lord, you're not ready to lead a house in the least in biblical standards. I wish I had something sweeter and I could say, everybody sit down, just sit down. <laughs> Ladies. I'll get to you later. <laughs> so he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now I want to show you one more thing and then we'll be done. What's your house? What's your house? Some of you haven't moved out yet, still live at home with your parents, fine. Some of you got your own place, but you're not married yet. So what's your house? Now, in Joshua's terminology, he was speaking about his family, which he had at that age of his life. Uh, Joshua, best we can tell, died about 110 years old. So we believe he had kids and family and all of that all set up and lined up. He was talking about his family. But for you, you don't quite have that yet. So what's your house? I want to take a moment here to give a public service announcement for all the parents. Here it is. If you still live in your parents' house your obligation is to honor your parents' rules, period. And if you don't like it, get out. That's just the truth. I'm not trying to be mad. I'm just being honest. That's true. Sarah and I have allowed, uh, Sarah, my wife and I have allowed many, many people, almost 16, to be, uh, not almost, it is 16 exact, different people have lived in our home since we've been married. We've either rented a room or given them a room or whatever the Lord has led us to do in those different situations. And every single one of them, when they came into our house, they understood a few things. And number one was that, listen, there are some things in this house we don't do. And if you're gonna live here, you have to abide by those rules. Otherwise, no problem. Find another place. We still love you. Come to church. Do these things. But listen, in our house, these things don't happen. And they either say yes and honor that and stay, or they say no and find another way. So for you, if you're living in your parents' house, listen, whatever the standards are that your parents have set, you need to honor them. And I'll tell you this, don't get in the way of a man trying to lead his house to follow the Lord. Don't be that problem, because that's a bad place to be. And I'm going to be honest, I'm preaching to you something I should have been preaching to my 16-year-old self. I get it, all right? My mom would be like, mm-hmm, you should have looked in the mirror, son. All right, well, I learn now, okay? It's, uh, you can only learn when you learn, and I'm learning now. But I'm telling you, I want to help you. Because here's the thing. If you have a father at home that's genuinely trying to serve the Lord, and you're being a problem, you're not only messing with them, you are messing with God. Because God's called that man to lead his house and for that house to serve the Lord. And if you're bringing junk into that house and if you're doing stuff in that house or whatever it is and you're helping that house not serve the Lord, you are a problem. That's tough stuff, but it's real. When my kids grow up, I know, I know 
they're probably going to be perfect because it's me. But they, they probably are not going to be perfect. I get that. I get that Kyla and Kaysen, my kids, are not going to do every single thing I ask them to do. But you better believe I'm going to be all up in their business because I love them and because I want my house to serve the Lord. And I got to model that. I got to hold that standard because God's called me to hold that standard. And so for you now, let's get away from the home thing. Let's go to you. You may not own your own home or apartment or whatever right now, but I'll tell you what is your house. It's all of this right here. It's your physical body. It's your mind. It's your spirit, your emotions. It's your mouth. It's your actions. It's all of that. That's your house for now. And so we got to make sure that our house is serving the Lord in every capacity, in every way, because he deserves it. And as believers, because he died on the cross so that you don't have to burn in hell. That is worth a bunch of action, isn't it? Man, that's worth some faithfulness. But God is not up there saying, that's what you're going to do. That's what you're going to do. That's what he just says. I hope you see that. I hope you love me enough to live a life that honors me. Because I loved you enough to save you from hell. And to give you purpose while you're here. And a place in eternity. That's a beautiful thought. So take care of your house. Take care of your house in every way. Think about what you're doing. Think about how you're thinking. I don't know if you can do that. Fix that thinking. Man, work on your house. And I'll tell you this. If you'll care about your house now, you'll protect your house later. If you can learn as an individual and as a single to take care of this thing, that this thing would serve the Lord, I promise you. Your marriage will look different. Your family will look different. Your career will look different. Many, many, many good careers have been destroyed because the house wasn't in order. Many great families have been destroyed. Kiddos' relationship with their parents have been destroyed because the house of the parent wasn't in order. Many great marriages have been destroyed because the house wasn't in order. You and I, well, you now, as singles and individuals, have a chance to work on the house. And what does that mean? It means to make sure your house is serving the Lord in every possible capacity. And if you do that now, you'll be positioned for success down the road. That's God's call for you. And we can see that as we look at Joshua as he begs those people, I want you to serve the Lord because of everything he's done, because he's worthy, but hopefully simply because you love him. I hope that's your story too. We'll never be perfect. I wanna, I wanna make sure we leave with this. We'll never be perfect, but that's not an excuse to be silly. That's not an excuse to strive to honor the Lord. You can do it. I can do it. So let's do it because it matters and we need to give God all the glory. We're so thankful that you took the time to tune in and worship with us. We truly want to be a ministry that prays for you. So here's how you can help us do that. Please go to www.tinyurl.com backslash UG prayers. That's www.tinyurl.com backslash U-G-P-R-A-Y-E-R-S. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.